what I think where most people go wrong, as I have in the past, is they try to be too many things to too many people. They don't focus primarily on what their greatest strength is. And even if it's not, take away that. Just is, If you just focused on one thing, even if it wasn't your greatest strength, if you just focus on that, it soon will become a great strength of yours. And if you, if you cut away all the fat and you cut away a lot of things that are, that are not exactly what you're looking for, exactly something to focus on, what you'll find is, is you'll be able to grow something a lot faster. What is up, BA family, and welcome back to another episode of the Breathe and Air podcast, where everyday action meets extraordinary mindset. Today's guest is an entrepreneur and the creator of BioPro Plus, which is a non-synthetic alternative to HGH. I think most of us, when we hear HGH, we think of somebody who's juiced up in the gym, but there are so many other functions for this naturally occurring hormone in the body. In comes our guest today, Mr. Dustin Baker, to discuss not only HGH and some of the ins and outs of what it does for the body, the natural decline that we have as humans, and some of the functions that you wouldn't really associate with the hormone, but also about his entrepreneurial journey, some of the things that he did and the mistakes that he made early in his life that he wishes he could reverse and some of the lessons that he's learned along the way from building a successful product, a successful company, and a successful team around him. You definitely get some bang for your buck in this episode when it comes to mindset, when it comes to business, team building, entrepreneurship, and of course, alternative health, biology, and the things that are going on inside of our body. As a disclaimer, I have not tried the product. However, I thought, what better way to learn more about the hormone itself and about this non-synthetic version that is getting such raving reviews in the market currently. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. I'm so thankful to have you here. We hope that you join the community and this culture that we're building called Breathe and Air. If you have been listening, welcome back. We're so glad to have you back. If you haven't already, go subscribe wherever you're listening, go leave a review and share the show with somebody who you think could get value from it. It helps us move forward and continue to bring on great guests. It is much appreciated for the work that we put in to bring you quality content each week. And without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Dustin Baker. First time I heard it, I was like, "Wow, this is this is interesting stuff." Mr. Dustin Baker, thank you so much for joining the show. <clears throat> that is me, Mason. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. I was coughing right there. This show is called Breathing Air, and I'm <clears throat> trying to <laughs> catch my breath to to begin. But no, I really appreciate it, man. I'm I'm excited to uh, to talk to you and, and do this thing and um, see what it's all about. Absolutely, Dustin. We're gonna start, you know, just in a sprint. So I hope okay. you're ready. What I was always a sprinter, so that was like my good thing. So like I'm good. into it. Amazing. What yeah. is your definition of success? Um, to be honest, doing what you want to do when you want to do it. That that has always been my my goal of success is being able to do freedom, being able to do mm-hmm. what I want to do when I want to do it within reason. Yeah, yeah. That's that's surprisingly my answer to is freedom. I think I found that out at a really early age whenever I got out of college and I was like, wow, like this is, this is the world that we live in, huh? How do, how do people do this? <laughs> you know, there's gotta be more, right? And those answers are really what put me on this trajectory of searching and connecting with people like yourself. Did you have a similar experience? Like with freedom or success? Yeah. I didn't have any of it for a, <laughs> for a very long time. Um, you know, it's something I always wanted, but you always think money is kind of the the scoreboard for success, right? And in in a lot of ways, it is because from a successful business perspective, you know, the larger your revenues or profitability, the more opportunity you have to do cool stuff. And I do believe that. So when you're early on in that in that thing, that or excuse me, early on in in your kind of quote unquote journey, if you will, that's where my mind was kind of focused the the 
main, excuse me, that was where I was kind of focused mainly early on because I didn't have any and I didn't, I had people telling me what to do all the time. And I knew from that point, um, I didn't, I, you know, the money was almost secondary, but I, I didn't want people telling me what to do all the time. So that, that to me was the success. What did that journey look like for you in terms of, you know, was there a catalyst moment for you where you said, you know what, I'm, I'm dropping this. I'm doing something on my own. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I, I mean, the, to speak about the journey and let me clarify, I mean, there's always somebody who's going to tell you what to do. You always, it doesn't matter how hard you, how high you get. Um, you're still going to be taking out the trash or there's still a bank that's, that's going to be talking to you. But anyway, um, I, I had some kind of catalyst moments, I think that launched me into what my career is today. But I, I think very on from an early age, I was never exactly an individual who, um, didn't do well with, uh, authoritative yeah. individuals. I would say <laughs> I, I struggled from that from an early age. I, I, um, I was not the easiest kid probably for my parents to, <laughs> to handle. I, I was not an easy teenager and I was an even worse 20 something. So I think that was very consistent throughout my life to be very honest and clear. Yeah. It, there's, there's something within being a rebel though. And, and I look back to, I'm like, wow, I put my parents through hell, but um, there's, there's something about it. Right. And it's challenging the status quo to an extent. And while it needs to be reared in and controlled at times, you know, it's good to let that side out sometimes because it kind of takes the veil off of a lot of, you know, people's eyes and, and what is accepted as the norm. And this box that society kind of tries to put us in. I think a lot of times we don't question that stuff enough. And like questioning it may make you look like an outcast, an outlaw, you know, someone that's challenging the status quo, doesn't like authority. But in reality, that's where a lot of magic happens because I feel like so many people grow up and they lose that childlike awe of the world and the idea and the concept that we can do whatever we want. And, you know, that's kind of beaten out of us through society, through school, through rules and all these other things. And it's a shame because it dulls life and there's so much that we're capable of. So I think a bit of that is good if you if you know how to harness it and control it. <laughs> there is, um, you know, I, I do. I've had a really I've been very fortunate with mentors that have kind of gotten a hold of me at the tail end of my, the mid tail end of my twenties, I would say, um, a better time to get a hold of me. But yeah. one of my, uh, most important mentors now and, and who has become a business partner of mine in ventures is, um, he would always say, it's better to have a dog. You got to hold back by a leash than a dog. You got to kick in the ass. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Action trumps all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I, um, you know, I, I would agree with you that there does need to be, so pilots, when you fly an airplane, you're given a, you're given an endpoint. I hope this analogy like kind of converts cause I'm throwing this, <laughs> yeah. I'm throwing this out of nowhere, but when you're a pilot, you're given specific airspace that you need to fly within and, and you're given like this, basically this big, huge cube that you're flying through and you have the ability to fly all in between those specific altitudes, et cetera, but you always stay within the guardrails, right? You never go outside of those specific guardrails. We tell our, our team the exact same thing. We want you to have some sort of positive um, autonomy here. And we want you to do what, you know, what you feel is pulling you forward and what you want to do and express yourself and have great ideas because that's how the best brands and the best things are built is by people feeling the comfortability to actually try things new, et cetera. But I, I would agree with you to your earlier statement of um, having that rebellious or that bold, that boldness to you is absolutely an asset, but keeping it within the realm of reality, I would say, and within the realm of, of actual workability. So you're, you're, yeah. you're able to play well with others and you're able to, to get a team to the end, um, to the finish line for lack of a better term. Yeah. And that's, I think there's a lot of different ways to get to the end of the finish line, right? It's, and it's different for everybody. Uh, you know, we're talking about entrepreneurship and, you know, the things that, you know, may pertain to us, but you know, someone listening, they may be an entrepreneur. They may, may be someone who likes that structure, likes the things that, 
you know, give them a little direction, give them the guardrails. And that's okay too. I think in, in general, you know, we see a lot on social media and all these things kind of glorifying entrepreneurship and some of these things. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, dude, this is a hard road. Like you're going to get kicked time and time again. There's not a lot of security. There's a lot of things that you're going to go through that other people that don't choose this path won't. So everything is an opportunity cost at the end of the day in trying to paint this picture of this is how it's done. One size fits all. It's just the stupidest thing ever. The, the, the Instagram entrepreneurial journey is insane. I, it is not reality. It's, I was talking to, um, I was talking to my, my trainer, my coach, and, um, he was somehow we got on the, the topic of that seven, like, oh, the average millionaire has seven streams of income. Right. That may be true. But what happens is, is you're leaving out a lot of context there. You're leaving out the fact that the average millionaire is well over the age of 40, number one. Number two, that they had a existing profitable business that they were very successful at to give them the opportunity for the six additional streams. And when you start looking into some of that um, Instagram stuff, you're just getting highlight reels. You're, you're getting a magic video of somebody talking about seven, seven streams of income that you shouldn't even be thinking about seven streams of income until you have one that is completely funding the other six or have the ability to. That's the um, that's just an example of a lot of that um, intrapreneur uh, type mentality is because it is, that's not, it's just not reality. It's not the, I wish it was, it would be way cooler. I'm telling you, <laughs> um, it's just not, it's not that way. Yeah. It's, it's a, a great tip of advice that I got was, you know, investing early on in yourself. Like there was times where I first came out, I, I heeded that advice of, I need to have multiple streams of income. I need to, you know, do these things. And a lot of times as an early investor or someone that doesn't really know what they're doing, you're going to get burnt a bunch. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, those are tough lessons to learn where if I would have taken that money and actually invested it in myself and skills and being in the right rooms and, you know, taking the right courses and those kind of things, I've feel like those are things you cannot get taken away from you. Skill creation will stick with you no matter what the economy looks like. You'll be able to utilize those skills. You know, stocks go up and down, real estate goes up and down. There's always fluctuations in that. But when you invest in yourself and you create skills, you can ultimately become recession proof, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that and skill creation? And what has been some of the most important skills that you've created on your journey? So um, I like how you how you stated that, and I'll get to that question. I um, people a lot of times, guys my age or younger than me will ask me, um, you know, where do I invest or or where do I like what stocks do I pick and stuff like. That. I don't. I um, and somebody's probably listening. He's like, oh, this guy's crazy. No, I, I I don't. And the reason why is I don't have control over it, and that's not my specialty. And I know that I can, if the average rate of return is anywhere from seven to ten percent on an uh, on an investment. I can easily more than triple that in a year's time if I invest it within my own business or myself or my team. So to me, at least at my stage, I mean, I'm 37 years old. I'm sure things can change. I'm invested in working on other things. But when it comes to like the stock market or that type of investment, um, I say, if you, you know, if you can't, if you're an if you're a business owner and, or you're a young business owner, or we can stick with the term entrepreneur if you'd like, um, and you can't beat a seven to ten percent margin or a seven percent increase, then you're gonna have a lot harder. You're gonna have a bigger struggle than uh, than where to invest your money. I would recommend a savings account. <laughs> um, but um, uh, let me let me try and bring it back of uh, skills to hone in on. So something I teach our sales team, which I utilize myself with building our brand because the brand that you see now BioPro Plus is not where it started right tip very rarely are things that start to grow and really start to take off there's there's typically always they looked different in the beginning because you had to see you had to have some sort of um an origin right what works what doesn't and why I'm saying that is because what what I think and because you asked me an opinion question this is absolutely an opinion what I think where most people go wrong, as I have in the past, is they try to be too many things to too many people. Mm. They don't focus primarily on what their greatest strength is. And even if it's not, take away that. Just is, If you just focused on one thing, 
even if it wasn't your greatest strength, if you just focus on that, it soon will become a great strength of yours. And if you, if you cut away all the fat and you cut away a lot of things that are, that are not exactly what you're looking for, exactly something to focus on, um, what you'll find is, is you'll be able to grow something a lot faster than trying to have too many different offerings, too many different things, too many different skills, right? A jack of all trades is a, is a master of none. Mm -hmm. And for early individuals or anybody, anybody who's trying to build a brand or anybody who's trying to be the best at what they are is just focus on, on that one thing that you want to be the best at always like a Coco Chanel cut away stuff that isn't, isn't, um, I made that analogy to my wife the other day. She's like, that's not what that means. But anyway, <laughs> cut away, cut, you know, take things away. And that is, that is kind of the opposite of what you think from a business standpoint of what you should be doing. But, um, I have a, a very strong belief in what's called the MVB MVP methodology, which means minimum viable product cut away everything. Now this is early on cut away everything that is not absolutely necessary and put, Put your chips into the one product, the one skill, the one thing that you do the best that um, gives the greatest effect to your customers, whether that's a service or a product, and push that. I promise you, if you focus on that one product, that one service, and you brand yourself as such, you will grow at an exponential rate way beyond having 30 different offerings, which is what people want to do. Like, oh, I want to have a variety so people can choose. Absolutely not. One thing, I promise you, you will grow faster. Not only that, your profitability will be higher. I can guarantee you that. And you will work less because trying to manage 30 different products or services as opposed to just focusing on being the best at one is way less of a headache. It's way more profitable and it grows way faster. Yeah, it's shiny object syndrome. Yeah. It's a, a widespread attention deficit disorder that... <laughs> you know, the U S has today, I think, and, and has been exactly cheesecake factory syndrome, cheesecake, 30 page, 30 page menu, 30 page menu. It's all good. You don't know what you want to eat. Yeah. You go to a wedding, you got, you got the filet or you got fish. Now you have, you know, filet fish or vegetarian or chicken, but, um, you got three options. That's it. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to go and enjoy yourself at that party than sitting at Cheesecake Factory and running through your menu for 20 minutes. Yeah. Paralysis by analysis is a big thing too. We talked about it earlier, like just starting and getting on that lane and doing the things that you need to do in order to progress, make the next steps, you know, fail. That's inevitable, right? And a lot of times I feel like people think, oh, this has to be perfect. You know, I need to make this many iterations and this many tweaks before this and this and why? Just put it out there. Like, what do you got to lose? I agree. I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. There's a, we're doing a lot of analogies here, but there's a, you know, if you wait, if you wait for every light to turn green, you'll never leave the station. Um, but a lot of people, uh, that is an internal thing. Again, this is um, an opinion of mine, but that is an internal thing of where individuals are either too afraid that it, it um, they're too afraid that it's going to fail. So if you kind of hold it back and you never kind of have to fight, you know, face the firing squad for lack of a better term, or um, um, I, I think it's just a lot of fear. It's a lot of fear to, to let that happen or thinking that something can always be better, but let your audience tell you what, what can be better. Don't let you think you can tell yourself what's better. What I, what I've learned along this journey is a lot of things that I was hell bent on. I was exactly the opposite wrong. You know, you can only ignore uh, the outside for so long. But if you if you put something out there and it works, at least if it works, and it, it is a good offering, right? I, I would never recommend anybody going into any type of business that they don't truly believe in what they're offering. Mm -hmm. um, your audience will tell you. Your audience, your customer base, your clients will tell you. People, look at the world we live in, okay? It is the easiest it has ever been for somebody to get online <laughs> and either tear you apart or build you up. They're going to let you know. I can promise you yeah. that. And if it's bad, they're going to let you know real quick. Um, your job is to, number one, that's going to happen to everybody. So don't get upset. Yeah. And uh, especially if you do business via social media, get ready. Cause it is a, it's, I, I eventually you'll get to a point where you just don't even read the comments. Um, but um, your audience will tell you, they'll tell you quick and you have to be flexible enough to, make the changes. That's why I go back to the minimum viable product because if you start with the basics, 
and you don't throw everything out there at once. You just focus on an operational working product or service that works without all the bells and whistles, without all the glitter, without all the extra stuff. You can add those things later, but taking anything away, no matter if it's good or bad, people still feel slighted. They still feel like you're taking something away from them, even if they don't like it, because you're still pulling something back. So if you start with a minimum viable product and you start with a minimum basic offering, you can always add to that. You can never take away. Hmm. It's a bar. That's a bar, ladies and gentlemen. Take notes. What brought you into the space of you know, health? And not only just specific to um, health, but in the hormone space and what you're doing now with bio. Um, man, the hormone space chose me, Mason. I'll tell you that. But the fitness space, um, that was not a knowingly when that happened to me, that was not a business decision. That was a lifestyle choice. I was, we were joking around about me in my twenties and stuff, but in my twenties, I was a, a pretty awful dude. I was a pretty awful individual. Um, I was what I would consider a drain on society. I, um, I loved drinking. I loved partying. I loved being a jerk and I, uh, couldn't hold a job. I was really, I mean, I can only imagine how unhealthy it was. I didn't have health insurance, so I hadn't seen a doctor in years. Who knows how unhealthy I was. But um, I had a friend who kind of stepped, not kind of, he did. He stepped in one day and was like, hey, man, why don't you like not do what you're going to do today? And why don't you come to the gym with me? And I had maybe spent two days in a gym since I was like 13 or 14, which was probably a three-week stint at that back then. And... um. I did. I went and worked out with him. It was a basement gym in uh, Michigan. Um, and uh, that something happened to me that day. And I, I really, really liked it. And it, after a few times, it really flipped a switch in me. When I say a few times, just a few workouts and stuff. Because at that point, I was pretty much unemployed. I think I was anyway. And I didn't have much else to do. And it gave me... What I realize now, because I've told the story so many times, and you're kind of getting an abbreviated version, but... The what I realized back then is I didn't have any purpose. I had nothing I was living for. I had nothing I was building to. I was living from you know I was basically I, I was living for the weekend after weekend, and I was just trying to fill my time from Monday until Wednesday, right? So I could just go to the bar on Thursday, which is an awful existence. Really looking back, like it is a terribly awful existence. Um, very empty, and that's what I realized it was an empty, purposeless existence, and working out, even how lame and cliche it sounds, because it is, it's not lame, but it's very cliche, but that fitness, that working out really flipped a switch in my brain and it gave me a purpose. And from that point on, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm the type of guy who, for better or for worse, if there's something that interests me, I will spend every waking moment trying to figure out everything I can about it. And uh, that's what I did. I mean, I learned everything I could about nutrition, about working out, about the different methodologies, et cetera, and um, found my way into somebody brought me in a different gym, which was really cool and different at the time. And I, um, I'm parlaying this into how I the, kind of the career pulled me in. I, at this point, I was just a gym rat. Okay. But, but I like, I, I was learning everything I could. Um, and I was at this really cool gym. It was very expensive. It was like 185 bucks a month at the time, which for somebody who's unemployed, uh, you know, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I ended up losing my job. I was like, I was a bartender at that point. I lost my job over something stupid. And I went to the gym owner who I had, I don't think I'd ever actually spoke to for maybe in passing. I said hi to him or something like that. And I was just walked up to him. was like, Hey, I love it here. It was a it was a performance gym, so Olympic lifting, all kinds of CrossFit stuff. I mean, it was very different than the typical gym that I had started, in, which was a, just a normal, you know, you know, right. uh, your normal split workout type stuff days. Yeah. And I loved it. It gave me like I was there all the time. So anyway, I go to him. I was like, "Hey, his name's Joe." I was like, "Hey, Joe, I can't afford to pay you, but you know what? I can do. I'm willing to take out your garbage. I'll clean your bathrooms. I'll fix stuff. Like whatever you want. Right. Just I, I just I don't want to. Don't take this away from me." And he said. He's like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Well, at that point, I found myself going in there. Like we didn't have like a set hours or anything. He would just give me like a list of stuff to do. I would knock it out or just take out the garbage. And I just loved it. I mean, this is a kid like manual labor and me, it never went well together. Like I ran from responsibility and work my entire life. So this is, this kid is like showing up at the gym unpaid at this point at like 7am. Mind you, you couldn't get me out of 
out of bed by 1230. That was the earliest I was getting up. Now I'm at this gym at 7 a.m., like the dead of winter, cleaning toilets, taking out garbage. And and one thing led to another. And like one month he paid me. He gave me like 250 bucks or something. And I was like, whoa, people are, people will pay me to do this stuff. And at that point I was a glorified janitor, but at that, but I was still like, dude, this guy's going to pay me. So I just showed up more. And then he gave me 500 bucks one time. And then I was like, okay, Joe, I have these really great ideas. I've been studying this. I want to, I want to scale the facility. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And he mentored me in a lot of ways. He taught me a lot of really cool things. He taught me about uh, performance and programming and how to build an equipment and fix stuff. And that was awesome. But you know, there wasn't actually much more for me there other than 500 bucks a month and what I was doing. And I just had bigger dreams and aspirations for that. And I had to very, I mean, at a very good terms, had to part ways. And that led me to another gym. And I walked into a gym here in Florida when I came back and I was like, Hey dude, I already knew it would work. So I was like, Hey dude, I will. I found this gym, came in, just walked in, uh, met the guy and I was like, Hey, I'll clean your toilets (laughs) and uh, everybody loves cheap labor. So boom, I was in there and then I knew how to, I knew what I did wrong at the other place. And within six months I was running that gym. I ended up, um, well, I did, I ended up managing that for a while. I met a lot of cool individuals that got me a lot of eyes and attention for how fast that gym grew. And I got picked up by a, um, a national franchise to do sales and to director of the sales and marketing for their, um, Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay location. So we focused on, let's see, you were an athlete, you're a collegiate athlete. So we did all the training for, um, combine training for NFL prep. We did all the CFL off season training, NFL off season training. We did all kinds of pro sports and physical therapy and all kinds of cool stuff. So that really, you know, really pushed me through. And then through this like process of being in these typical, these different facilities and really meeting the right people and clearly like, you know, I talk for a living so that I, it was no different back then. And so I would find my way into these circles I didn't belong in and sports <laughs> and all these places. And, um, there was these, this group of products made by this lab here it is really small company in Florida. And I loved them. Uh, they worked, I, um, threaded them in between each of these different ventures and even ventures past this. And they always worked, right. They always worked. And, they were always part of each one of our ventures. And as my career kept going from there to I opened up my own fitness franchise, um, well, f- supposed to be a franchise at my own facility, my own methodology, et cetera. I exited that in 2018. But um, through all of these different ventures, we always had these products. And one thing led to another. And eventually one of my mentors said he was like, hey, I want to be involved in your next thing. I was like, okay, cool. I'll let you know when I got it. And I get this call from one of the guys on the inside of this company. They're like, hey, you know, there's word here that they're, if the price was right, these guys would sell this. And so I was like, mm-hmm. all right, made my first phone. I got on my list of guys that, you know, wanted their, the next crack at whatever I was doing, <laughs> made my first call. And um, we had a deal struck within three weeks of that company. I walked in. I was like, okay, how much, you know, we did the normal um acquisition type deal. We can get into that if you want. It's not too too exciting. Drawn up some contracts, you know, uh, wrote a check and we, you know, acquired the company as a whole. And then since then, which was, that was November, that was December 1st of 2018. Now it's the, you know, April 25th of 23. We've spent all of those years honing in on exactly everything we talked about prior to this of drilling down into what our brand is, who we are, what is the most effective, why does it work? who is our avatar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all we've been doing. And, um, you know, I'm really racing through it, but the, the, the rest is history, Mason, (laughs) (laughs) even though the history is literally right now, but, um, yeah, that's, that's how we got here. So the hormone space is the, how did I end up with that? Well, I started in athletics, I started in fitness, but the hormone space and the physicians is really where that brand kind of took hold and, that's where it flourished was in the hands of physicians who were providing it to their patients. And so that's what I've been doing for the last few years is talking to anti-aging docs and physicians. And, um, you know, now we're a big name in the combat sports space and it's been a wild ride and all kinds of fun. And now I'm talking to you on your show. So (laughs) (laughs) there you go. came full circle. It's, uh, I know, dude, I, Man, I think I think it's inspiring to anyone listening. And 
you know, we have a lot of comparison factors these days where we think, man, I'm, I'm so far behind. I'm so far behind and this and that. And, you know, you took your twenties and, you know, from listening to you, you tell like, man, I, I feel like I didn't live out to my potential, find a purpose, do the things that I really wanted to do, but it all, Oh man, a million percent, it all, a million percent. I have, it all led to where you are. I have that till this day. I have that till this day of like, man, I would be so far ahead of where I am right now. If I had just not screwed around, but it, it is what it is. And had I not done all those things, I, I wouldn't be where I am. Not that I don't have light years still to travel, but, um, and not that we're this, you know, you know, we're not Coca-Cola, but the point being is that, um, I agree with you. I, it's, I, I think about that all the time and I do struggle with that even in and of myself is that, man, I could be so much further that I'm not or whatever. But then if you change anything in your past or you, or you could change that, you get that ripple effect and you don't even, you would never know what it would lead to. It could, you know, it could have led you to something awful, right? And you're the worst business decision of your life. But so I also like to think of that in that respect is I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change where I'm at at all. I, I, I'm a very fortunate guy. I have a, I'm a lucky dude and I wouldn't change the the past, but it's, I, I think about it all the time. It's a struggle because I'm, I'm about to hit that 40 mark here soon. And it's like, man, I could have been doing this at 30. <laughs> I agree with what you said. You said it great. And that's, you know, you can't, the only, the only moment that matters is the present moment, right? The, the past we can't change. It's, it's a lesson. We can learn from it. We can't change it. The future doesn't even exist. It's just some shit we make up in our head. And so really the only thing we have control over is right now. And that's, that's what we control. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what is here and now this moment. So yeah, I struggle with that all the time too. I think a lot of ambitious people or people who look back and say, damn, why did I do that? Or uh, even just living in the future so much. Like, you know, bio, where BioPro is going to be in 10 years from now, right? And you have to have that vision. But at the same time, you know, you have to know that, you know, everything happens in the now and it will tomorrow and the next day and the next day because that's all there is. <laughs> yeah. My wife tells me a lot, like, you know, why don't you just, chill for a second and like, let, let like, just enjoy what's happening now. Like, let it, let it just work and enjoy it. Now this is years of, of work up to that point, but she is right. And it's, um, you know, sometimes you, it's good to take a step back, let things work for a while, let it progress and then come back at it from a, um, a different point of view of, of rush, 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 rush. Cause you could, there's also, you know, we love analogies apparently on this show cause you're not <laughs> going back and forth, but there's also, you know, the good old saying of, uh, don't rush to failure, like let things work. Um, you can get yourself into trouble by trying to push things too fast, too hard. Sometimes, you know what I mean? You should let things work if they are working. Don't, uh, don't try and fix what's not broken. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. I think in your space now and the health and wellness space, you know, testosterone, HGH, these are words that elicit some emotion in people, right? And people have a thing that pops in their head when they think about HGH, human growth hormone or or testosterone, right? Like some roided out dude in the gym. But what is really HGH at at a biological level and what are some of the benefits that it has in the human body? <clears throat> it's a master hormone in men and women. It's not sex dominant. It's a human growth hormone. HGA stands for human growth hormone. Okay. And it's the, what it does, it starts to spike in your body at the beginning of puberty because it's going to help you to grow, right? It's, it's helping you to grow. And then it, it peaks throughout puberty and then it stops and starts its decline at the end of puberty. So typically, I mean, it's different for everybody, but it could be 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. It's everybody is different. So uh, human growth hormone is responsible for metabolic function, for muscle cell differentiation and multiplication, which just means the multiplication of muscle cells, so muscle growth. Um, it's responsible for even the tightening of your skin or how your skin looks, your hair. And we can get into the pathways of how these things happen. Uh, your sexual function to even insulin response, et cetera. So it's, you got to think of hormones as a, 
a chemical catalyst. Okay. So hormones are secreted by the body to create a catalyst somewhere down the line. Human growth hormone is created to then be converted into what are called growth factors. And the growth factors then are sent out by the liver to actually signal cells to do things. So there's multiple different types of growth factors are all responsible for different types of things, whether all of those things that we just talked about, whether it's metabolic function, uh, sexual function, muscle function, wound healing, injury, skin, hair, et cetera. So growth hormone is simply a chemical catalyst to create some sort of positive change in your body. The reason why it gets real popular, why people go and talk to doctors about it or want to go get it is because your body stops making, well, it doesn't stop making it, but it starts its decline after you finish puberty. So your body starts to do things that it didn't do before or stop doing things that it used to do before. It starts getting harder to recover from workouts. Your energy levels go down. Your sexual function is not what it was when you were 22 years old. Right. You know, your skin starts to sag. All of those different things can be addressed with different type of hormone therapies, depending upon the hormone therapy. And this is what you were just talking about. It could be, you know, some negative attributes. Yes. When you're talking about steroid use, number one, growth hormone isn't exactly the massive bodybuilding type of hormone people think it is. Those are illicit, non-naturally derived steroids like DECA and D-ball, like crazy stuff, right? Yes, that stuff can be incredibly dangerous and typically is. Uh, When you get into testosterone, yes, all of these things like everything else on earth can be abused. And they typically are people abuse. People like to abuse everything. I mean, whether it's, I'm serious, whether it's, whether it's, um, a drug, whether it's, uh, sugar, whether it's somebody's time, (laughs) like people, people take advantage of things that create positive and pleasure systems for them. That's just a human being. That's just part of your brain. Mm. You know, it's a, you know, there's self-control that's supposed to be part of your system as well. But anywho, Um, but that's why those things happen, right? People are abusing certain types of drugs. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have a negative effect. If you start blowing up your body with all kinds of stuff that it's not ready to handle or shouldn't be handling. And then you get a lot of that negative connotation where you got pro wrestlers, you know, I I feel terrible for his family, but, uh, you got pro wrestlers who, you know, drop dead in parking lots or, Mm -hmm. you know, they have massive heart attacks. Those things make the news. So you hear about them, right? but, um, growth hormone as a, as a medical treatment and a therapy has been used since the sixties now for different things. And in today's day and age, it's extremely highly regulated now, um, for anti-aging performance, uh, athletics and those types of uses, which is kind of the reason why the vacuum has been created of why our products have done so well, but that's all growth hormone is. It's a chemical catalyst that creates a cellular change in your body. You talked a little bit about the decline, the natural decline. You know, we see it in testosterone, we see it in HGH. There's things, you know, that naturally happen with the beautiful time elapsing in our yeah. lives. But do you believe that there are external factors as well that we are in control of or that society has thousand percent normal these days that we can avoid that add to that atrophy? It's irrefutable evidence. So it has nothing to do with my opinion or theory. It's a proven fact. So um, there are tons of socioeconomic and actual outside factors that contribute to a hormonal decline. In fact, studies are now coming out that now it is a mathematical study, meaning it is a projection. So don't like get all upset <laughs> at me, throw emails my way. But it is real and it is alarming that in the by the year, if we continue at the, the hormonal, recli- excuse me, if we continue at the hormonal decline, at the rate at which we, especially men, so this is a male study. Uh, if we continue at the rate we're going, all of men, 100% will be fully sterile by the year 2045. Ooh. I know. And I say that, I've said that in a lot of, like that's a newer study. So I've said that in a lot of interviews lately and it's the same reaction every time. It's like, it is, but it is what it is. And when you start thinking about what are the contributing factors to it, you you're, you won't make that face anymore. But um, there's even studies and this study has been out for like, I think it was like a decade old study where they put guys in 100% polyester underpants, <laughs> yeah. underwear for a certain amount of time. And it rendered them all 100% sterile while using that polyester. Now, what is polyester? Polyester is plastic. 
Okay, so you're wearing, we're both wearing, which is, you know, I'm saying this as I'm wearing it. Luckily, I'm not sterile. (laughs) Um, But we're wearing plastic. This isn't cotton. You know, this is an active wear shirt that I'm wearing, right? If you're, if you're, um, if your shirt has like polyester, spandex, any of those, like not cotton, it's pla- those are that's plastic, and plastics, microplastics, etc. Whether the, the 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 receipts in your hand, I know everybody knows that, or drinking out of plastic bottles, or literally you're covering your body in them right now, all lead to um, they're endocrine disruptors. Mm-hmm. So they they disrupt your hormonal system and your secretion of that hormones. Other than that. You know, we just talked about plastics and fun stuff. Um, The way that our food is derived, all kinds of different aspects from that that we're eating that are not, you know, and I'm not going to use the word organic because if you want to get into organic and the percentages of what the actual food is organic to be labeled organic is a whole other thing. But um, like if it isn't food, you're farming, man, it's affected in some way, shape or form, especially if it's coming out of soil in this yes. country or at worst in other countries. So that's a whole nother thing. So we're, we are bombarded every single day by environmental effects for lack of a better term or environmental disruptions that they're within our control, but they're kind of yeah. without our control, like outside of right. our control too. I think there's better things to, this is my personal opinion and every dude and every Instagram doc who I'm not saying is wrong is going to disagree with me probably on this, but I think they're, I think they're really good to be mindful of, but I, I don't think that you're going to, I think you can make way bigger impacts towards going against that trend in other ways, other than, you know, not wearing an active wear shirt or not don't touch the receipt. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> be cognizant that those things are happening. All right. I got I'm my serious, glove. Dude. I got like, my glove you'll get, man. I, it's funny. So I Instagram, I dude, think of it all the time. Mason, my- Instagram is really great. Instagram's really great because it, it has given us and social media is really great because it's given us, it's given people the power to like share what used to be fringe theories, this crazy fringe stuff. And it's now proven like a lot of this is not so fringe, but because it has the ability to gain so much traction, it gets a lot more, um, smarter minds, smarter than me. And with resources that are willing to dive into this stuff to prove its efficacy. Okay. But at the same time, don't ever forget that these people also make their living on clicks. So, you know, the content that is generated, if even though it it could be right, which a lot of it is great stuff, don't ever forget that people make money on fear campaigns. Okay. Like for good or for work, for better or for worse, just there are better ways. Again, completely my theory, completely my own opinion. There are better ways that men and women can make strides towards offsetting those endocrine disruptor type things, right? Like not freaking (laughs) out about, and that's a hard, but but think about it. What's the, what's the payoff for that? Like what kind of existence are you living if you're paying off that? Not to mention stress and elevated cortisol levels will do 10 times more of the destruction on your hormone secretion. Uh, freaking out about stuff like I really, we'll yeah. stay on that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a, you use the word opportunity cost earlier and I agree with that. There is an opportunity cost to freaking out about everything and you know, at everyone and everything um, pick and choose your battles, right? Like play the cards you're dealt. If you live in the United States, you're at a disadvantage than somebody, well, you're at a disadvantage for this type of stuff than someone who lives in the middle of nowhere and right, you know, Pick the country, yeah. dude, and you know whatever in, in the middle of a um a, an agricultural type nation or in the middle of nowhere. Okay, but at the same point, you're given a lot of benefits to offset this in other ways. But my whole thing is to answer your question, Mason. Even though I just kind of jumped on a soapbox, yes, there are environmental factors that are within your control and outside. I believe you're outside of your control. Two, your time is better spent learning how to offset them kind of in your own home in a way that still gives you the ability to live a good, fun, fulfilling life than freaking out about the BPAs in a, <laughs> in a receipt. I just don't say, I, but again, I, I do say, Hey, I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> cause I don't, I don't want it anyway. It's not exactly the plastics. It's cause it'll end up in the side of my yeah, car, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and they'll catch, but, but I, I'm, I'm cognizant of the plastic thing. So I just don't ask for yeah. one. 
And that's you know, the it's thing. Uh, you can that's keep the it. thing. It's like health is meant to enhance our lives and not complicate it. And I think, like you said, you can get very deep in the rabbit hole these days, especially with all the evidence, the data, the studies, our access to information that is now at our fingertips. And, you know, you get in this space and in the wormhole of health and wellness and what it's built out to become, you know, it can be like you want to wrap yourself in plastic, which I don't want to do. No one wants to do bubble wrap. Should I say plastic was definitely the worst word. <laughs> it's both plastic, Mason. You're really going back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, resilience, but no, I agree, resilience is the goal, right? Resilience. And you don't want to be, oh, if I don't have my exact morning routine with my water with lemon and chloroform and make sure I take my liver supplements that I might have a bad day and my immune system chloroform. might become- Mason, Mason, Mason. Not Mason. chloroform. <laughs> chloroform. <laughs> local authorities mason uh you typically uses chloroform i somebody might want to check yeah, his apartment don't, don't <laughs> see me in nashville sorry <laughs> chloroform it's chloroform. yeah but um yeah <laughs> people are going to be like chloroform i wonder what they were talking about they're like oh they're going to google it like, yeah, oh, don't clip that guys weird. don't please don't clip that <laughs> podcaster uh, anywho i <laughs> podcast yeah. uses chloroform yeah, you're gonna need some strong editing, for <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, man. I I mean, we agree clearly on a lot of yeah. stuff, which is great. But um, I yeah, there's there's ten times better ways to offset the hormonal decline, and the the top three are free: mm-hmm. sleep, well, hydration, and um, nutrition. No, they're not technically free, but you know right. what I mean. They're not, it's not some external, uh, you know, masterclass you got to pay for or some trainer. I mean, if you, if you get adequate amount of sleep, which declines, by the way, your ability to get quality sleep declines as you age as well. Like all of these things are compounding factors, but, um, learn how to get quality sleep, have a great fitness routine. And by fitness routine, I mean something you do consistently, right? You don't have to go out and do the craziest, uh, you know, Iron Man every day and commit to that because typically that will fail. Start out with something that you're just able to commit to for the majority of the time and you will be successful and uh, increase your hydration. We didn't even talk about nutrition, but those, you know, those top three things will, will change the way you perform, look and feel right from the jump and are all directly related to the way that your body secretes its natural hormone, whether that's in sleep or post-exercise, et cetera. I want to talk about the ingredients themselves and what people can expect from the product and the benefits that they can expect in their life. So when we say non-synthetic, what does that mean as opposed to something? So we're extracting. So those growth factors we were talking about. So the growth factors, the end result of the growth hormone itself. So they're, those are what are called protein cytokines They're technically protein strands. So a lot of people today are probably used to the words like peptides and stuff like that. Okay. So peptides are very similar, but those are single chain aminos, right? Which are building blocks of proteins. So what we're talking about are protein cytokines. They're fully complete proteins and those proteins are cellular signals. So in order for your cells to work, whether that's the cells in your skin, the cells in your muscles, et cetera, they have to have a trigger. They have to have a signal. Without a signal, nothing is going to happen. So those growth factors that are naturally occurring in your body are decreasing with the decrease in growth hormone that we talked about. So knowing that, all we have done is we extract those growth factors from another animal, a mammal, very similar to if you're familiar with PRP, which is platelet rich right. plasma, where you suck basically, you know, you separate your good material mm-hmm. from the bad and you re inject it. Correct. We're doing basically the very same thing, but with growth factors out of mammalian tissue. Why mammals? Well, because they're bioidentical to what a human being produces. It's no different than you as a human produce. So when you, uh, when you, um, when you accept them into your body, your body doesn't know the difference. It's very important because if it doesn't know the difference or what it's called molecularly identical or bioidentical, which is a fun term for people to use, your body won't create negative adverse events from it. So when you inject a synthetic testosterone, your body is going to suppress its natural testosterone secretion, which causes all kinds of problems. I mean, for men, it literally causes your testicles yeah. to shrink. Some people don't have a problem with that. That's not exactly something I'm interested <laughs> exactly. in. <laughs> but, you know, um, 
or, or when you, you know, when you push your body past a natural level, let's say you're injecting that same testosterone, but you're taking way too much of it, or you're taking more than what your body's prepared to take. You also get an influx of your opposite hormone for men, which is estrogen. Well, when you stop taking the testosterone, your estrogen is still going to continue to go up, which leads to things like gynecomastia. Yes, men can grow breast tissue. That happens when you spike estrogen. It's a big surgery these days in Florida. People don't realize it. That's a big, yeah. I'm not kidding, dude. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how many people were getting that surgery. Um, dudes are growing boobs. Not that they're all <laughs> taking synthetic testosterone, but <laughs> I, I mean, we can laugh, but I'm being That's serious. That's true it's on real. more than one front. But we won't go there. I mean, it's real, dude. Men are, men are growing. Oh, well, yeah, dude. That's uh that's, that is a big business, yeah. dude. Um, not around here as much in Florida anymore, though. You'd be surprised, but, um, um, because of their high rising and estrogen levels, which could be endocrine disruptors that we were talking about, regardless of synthetic testosterone use, men grow breasts. Yeah. It's real. 100%. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of crazy, we can go, you want to really get on the rabbit, we can go all kinds of crazy rabbit holes with Japanese studies and Asian studies that are coming out where they're able to change the sex of animals early on by certain foods that they introduce into their diet that are high in, uh, that can raise the estrogen. It's wild, crazy stuff. It's like terrifying wow. science stuff. But anywho, um, we're seeing some of those effects, not specifically, you know, those things, but we're seeing a lot of these effects with the effemina, uh, effeminizing. Is that a word I've never used before, but effeminizing of men. Um, and to the point to back that up with a study, there are studies that are, have been done. I think it was in 2021 or 2020, 2020. People like to like go like, oh, I heard this guy in this show and he's talking about studies on facts. I'm like, cool. It's a study from 2020 or 2021. You can go look it up. Go Google it. Um, <clears throat> where they compared the hormone rate, testosterone specifically, of a 20-something. I think he was 23 or 27, whatever. And they compared it to basically what happened to the – the conclusion of the study was that a 20-something, let's just say mid-20s had the same hormonal rate as a 67-year-old or 60-something from the year 2000. So a, a two-decade difference, we're at a 20-something is the same as a 60-something. Now, if you take that back all the way to like, we always talk about like the greatest generation. Well, these those guys are different human beings. You're talking about guys from like the 40s and the 30s. Oh, man. They're a completely different human being physically too. So like physically, our statures our average heights, all of those things from a male perspective. I can't speak on women. So ladies, I'm sorry. I don't have this crazy shocking, you know, pulling studies out of the air stuff for you, but um, we're a different breed. So if you're at the higher end of that, dude, you have so much to thank yourself. <laughs> you have so much to be thankful for, but a lot of it, yes, is uh, environmental factors. A lot of it's nutrition choices from early on in life. And um, yeah, it's, um, not to be like Debbie Downer or pretty, but it, I mean, it's looking pretty bleak if you don't take responsibility for it yourself and do the best things that you can to, uh, you know, um, uh, pass on good genetics to kids. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what it's all about. I think whenever people think about, um, you know, taking a substance, whatever it may be, even if it is a non-synthetic substance, they think about side effects. And one thing I think about too is, yeah. you know, our liver is processing these, proteins at the end of the day and this, these substances. So how does, you know, how is it processed really? How are some of these, um, you know, e EGF, FGF, some of these specific ingredients processed by the liver and have you seen si side effects personally? <clears throat> so we've been doing this since 2009. We're fully FDA compliant. In fact, we exceed the minimum standards and they, um, I was about to say some stuff, but I, you never want to, <laughs> we exceed the minimum standards of, uh, of the FDA by a large margin. So, um, I was going to say something else. It's funny to me. It's not funny to other people, but, um, we exceed the standards by a, a, a large margin. The reason why I'm saying that is because any type of adverse event, any type of real side effect, right. Other than, you know, standard food stuff has to be reported to the All FDA. Right. Since 2009, we have yet to have to report any serious adverse event, um, and especially when it comes to liver function, actually, if you look at um, some of the ingredients in, in liver function, the study would show that it can improve the way that your liver functions, actually. Mm 
So it, it doesn't have that type of negative side effect from a toxic point of view. It doesn't have a toxicity level. You cannot overdose from it. So you're not, your liver actually is full of a, a liquid substance that basically it's like a, let's say it this, it's like a time clock, meaning that when you ingest a toxic substance, that liquid the further that liquid goes down as it's when it's gone. So you use the amount of liquid to then filter out toxic substances. As soon as that liquid is gone or that sponge, your liver, the sponge is dried out. That's when you OD. So that's how they like, that's a lot of has to do with toxicity right. levels, et cetera. I hope I, I've never actually used that analogy on any type of interview, <laughs> but um, I hope it works. So anywho, um, we have zero toxicology level for the product. You can't overdose from it. It's, hundred percent natural. So anything that your body isn't going to use, it just excretes through the urine or sweat. So that's really good for a couple things. Number one, it can't pop a drug test. So it's very popular for different type of athletic athletes. <laughs> but, um, but also that being said, it's incredibly safe. It, it's a, um, very rarely or do we ever have any type of safety concerns. The only time we really step in with something like that is, if people go, and I want to say this, that there is no studies that anyone has ever presented to us to show that it does, but you know, we might sell stuff, but we do have your best interest yeah. at heart. Any type of, um, like anybody in remission, cancer type patients, etc. Listen, that is a decision for you and your doctor. If you guys feel comfortable, we've had the coin flipped both ways by physicians saying, Hey, probably not a good idea just because why even, why be the first right. case? You know, why even, why even want to, why test the boundaries here? Like this is, you know, you have, you have been very fortunate yeah. to be here right now. Like, why do we need to push the boundaries? Um, and we've had docs that are like with guys that have uh, a higher likelihood of higher PSA levels, which is prostate specific antigen score, which just means prostate cancer um, that have gone like, oh, you should be good. You should be all set. In fact. I'm going to say this is growth factors like IGF one. The, there was a study done. I can't remember the physician. I think it was, it was Dr. Katz or something. I think it was a Dr. Katz, K-A-T-Z. And I can't remember the year that it was done, but that's pretty specific for me. To remember <laughs> that. But <clears throat> where they could correlate the actual decrease in IGF one, which is insulin like growth factor one, which is the main metabolite of growth hormone. The decrease in that, so the lower the IGF-1 level in the human being was correlated to the higher PSA score, meaning the higher likelihood mm. of cancer. So there was a correlation there. Is it an irrefutable study saying the two are connected? No. But the fact that they're researching and studying it and finding those two things are very, um, you know, are paralleled is interesting in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's such a vast myriad of benefits that, you know, a male or a female could receive from something like this. What are, what's one of the case studies that comes to mind where you're just like, wow, this is. Probably, oh yeah. I got yeah. a good one. So <clears throat> I was, I kind of mentioned briefly that we are very popular in the combat sports space. So we're very popular in the combat sports, MMA, jujitsu, Muay Thai, and the tactical space. You'd be surprised how well, how how actually uh, overlapping those spaces are with the tactical military veteran yes. space. We have a gentleman um, who is on the New Orleans SWAT team, so he's seen some stuff. His stories are great, but also he was NSA uh, kind of black ops type dude overseas, did some really wild stuff. He is by specialty now, he is an explosive breacher, meaning he can build bombs from Walmart <laughs> and he can basically blow holes in doors like exactly how you want them, exactly the like that's his yeah. whole thing. That's what he does, it's what he teaches. He's probably the most formidable opponent. Like it's the one guy, not one guy, but if there's any guy I would be terrified of, it's this gentleman. And we've become very good friends, which is great because he's the guy <laughs> yeah. you want on your side. But just his skill set for doing things like the guy literally, I mean, he gets paid to teach other people and stuff how to build explosives right. for explosive breach to enter into whatever it is. Um, very specific. I mean, it's it's really crazy. So anyway, he's he's got stories about extraction, human extractions and black ops type stuff from overseas, like like growing dude, like crazy stuff, driving in Toyota Hiluxes in the middle of these like towns in the you know in the Middle East and doing all kinds of cruising. Anywho, 
Okay. So when you are involved in a lot of those things and you are constantly being hit with what's called blast over pressure, meaning you are in close proximity to an explosion, even if you do any type of um, close quarters combat with firearms, if you've ever done, if you ever done anything like that, ever done any cool training. So if you've ever fired a gun six inches from an opponent or a wall or anything, and your face is on top of that, like if you do close quarters, you're going to feel that blast over pressure. Now magnify that times like real explosives. Okay. Over the, over time that blast over pressure causes things what are considered like TBI. So brain injury, traumatic brain injury. Okay. And they, they can be seen or felt, or the symptoms can be things like ocular seizures, meaning, you know, you're having a seizure in your eye. It's all weird. It's awful. So anyway, Greg had, oh, I said his name, but Greg had been um, experiencing ocular seizures for years. Okay. And he'd never really, that's just part of the job. It's part of what he's done, et cetera. So he had been taking BioPro Plus and he took it for like a month, two months. I mean, I didn't know Greg at this time. Um, And he had been taking it for several months and he had a complete 100% reduction in his ocular seizures, which we didn't know that that was going to happen. He didn't know that that was going to happen, but that was the really big thing that helped him. Um, And then he did his own little case study and he stopped taking it for a couple of weeks and they they came back and he went back on. And they stopped. And um, since then, he's had a, he's in, we want to use the term remission. He's been in a complete remission of ocular seizures since he's been using the product. He's, he's very vocal about his use. We use him all over the social media now because he's such a cool dude. Um, And come to find out, you know, he's not the only individual now that has seen really great benefits like that, that kind of come out of from left field that are helping him with, you know, his way of life to the fact that, there's even government agencies now that are, you know, really cool dark type stuff that use our products that love our products. And we work with them and help their teams, uh, you know, do this, um, crazy stuff. That, that was the one, that's the one that always wow. comes to mind just because the stories are real fun. And it's, it's so applicable to what a lot of guys in that space struggle with, uh, especially, I don't know, you said you're an athlete. Did you, what did you play? You said you were talking yeah. about, you know, John Stockton. Or yeah. Did you play? Uh, and did you play any? Um, okay, dude, perfect example. Uh, I don't know what position you played. I have no idea, but the the amount of TBI and brain injury that is coming out of the sport, or at least now, actually, just getting not that it hasn't always been there. Probably way worse in right. the past, but nobody even thought about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that can help a lot of people. And I'm not making a claim that it's going to take away TBI or, or you know your ocular seizures because I can't legally do that. I'm just telling you an anecdotal story just because we haven't done an actual study, clinical study on that. But that is the best anecdotal yeah. story that we have. And um, it's been really cool to, to – the thing is, Mason, is like we get these testimonials of all different types of stuff from all over the world all the time unsolicited. And that has been the absolute coolest part of the job thus far. Like I was a user of the product before we bought the company. Okay. Since 2014, I'm a believer. I put my money where my mouth is. I use it to this day. People are always like, do you use it? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I use it. I've used it every day. I possibly can for years. The point is, is that um, the testimonials that we get are really like, I never expected that kind of stuff. I'm super fortunate. I haven't had any massive injuries. I haven't, um, I don't suffer from TBI. I don't, um, I have been so lucky, dude. I, I use it specifically just to help me heal faster from workouts and performance gains and feel good and energy, et cetera. I'm not trying to fix right. some, um, you know, massive knee injury from when I was 22 and, right. you know, was going to go pro and didn't and all that kind of fun <laughs> stuff. But um, that's the cool thing. That's the thing. I never expected it to be this impactful. Um, I mean, we're talking across the world from here to South Africa, to the United Kingdom, to Australia, to, I mean, Korea. I mean, it's been really wild. It's amazing. Where can everybody find the product? Oh, man. I mean, you can find it right on our website or at a, uh, a local providing physician near you, uh, depending upon where you're at. There's You can find our products on our online. They're, they're only available through us or through a prescribing physician. So depending upon where you're at, you can find a doctor that might have it for you. Uh, you can hit us up on the Instagram, which is where we really live. Yeah. Um, the Instagram is, you know, who doesn't use social media these days? It's something I fought tooth and nail. Didn't want to be an Instagram company, but the world wanted something different. And, uh, you can find us there. It's very, um, 
you know, it's not gimmicky. It's, it's guys that use the product. It's user generated content. It's people are very vocal about how they feel, how it works for them. You know, all the good stuff. You want information? Go just ask dudes on the, on the Instagram. They'll answer you. hundred percent. I'm looking at it right now and I see this model for a bio pro quarter sleep. He looks very similar to you. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, what I tell you about minimum product, uh, minimum vital yeah, exactly. product. If you don't, if you don't have to spend the money. Don't do it. Exactly. Well, I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying the product. I, I definitely think that you've piqued people's interest, and I know that you and I could talk for hours on end about these kind of things. But you know, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We'll definitely plug all the links, and thank you so much for joining. I know people are going to love this one. All right. Thanks, Mason. I appreciate you having me on the show. All right, guys. If you enjoyed today's show, go check out BioPro. Follow them on Instagram. Let you know, let them know that you heard about them from Breathing Air Podcast. And if you enjoyed today, share it with someone who you think could benefit as well. That is what the show is all about. It's helping us grow day by day together. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Dustin, thank you for another great show. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Mason.